Resiliency Within with host Elaine Miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit traumaresourceinstitute.com. Welcome to Resiliency Within, featuring your host, Elaine Miller Karras. In unprecedented times, our beliefs and well being are put to the test. When we take the things we've learned in life and look at challenges in a whole new way, we learn to develop resiliency, which can then be used to promote healing and personal strength. Now, here is Elaine Miller Karras. Welcome to Resiliency Within. I also want to let my audience know that you can join us on live on Facebook at Resiliency Within Facebook page if you'd like to see us as well as hear us. But I want to start out also by just acknowledging the recent loss of life in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, sadly, three precious children have left the earth and three adults due to, um, again, gun violence. But also I want to acknowledge their family, their friends, the community. And sometimes we don't think about first responders, but the first responders are the ones that go in and they have to, of course, see what's happened and notify family. And I also want to just acknowledge them as we get started. And I thought, you know, this was also a good day to do that because um, one of the things that I've done with Townley is we did a pretty intensive response up in Mendes, up in Northern California after one of the terrible fires up there and worked with actually across the board, really, people from every sector um, and help them with the community resiliency model, which I think many of the audience know is a set of wellness skills that help bring and restore the, the body to and mind to balance. And um, that is what also uh, Townley say, my guest is trained in, but let me tell you a little bit about her. First of all, she's not only the executive director of First Five Mendocino, but I am really privileged to call her my friend. And I have had many experiences with her and know of her integrity and also her dedication to children. And I often feel that if we can, you know, identify children when they're little, if they're having struggles, how how that might change the course of their life. And maybe some of the tragedies that we have seen in people that have mental health conditions could have been changed and the trajectory of their life changed and the other people that they sometimes harm that maybe they wouldn't be harmed. And so this is why I know that she's a very passionate advocate of First Five Mendocino. Um, and I'll say that um, she is a resiliency informed and strength-based person. And she believes in those approaches to engage parents, to great engage children, to in engage educators and mental health workers. And I'm very happy to say that she recently received her MSW and I'm so proud of her. Um, and that was at Chico State, I believe, mm -hmm. there in that beautiful really, part, yeah. part of the world. Um, but you have spent most of your life um, as a child and parent advocate in a variety of capacities. You've also worked in the state of California, but you've been a doula and you've been a birth educator. You've owned a children's store. And, you know, lots of people who are having struggle, struggles go to children's stores, right? I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sure you could, we could do a whole show on just that. But I think that um, your education and what you have been called to do in serving families and communities is is just something to be praised. And I know that you're also trained in the positive parenting program called Triple P and the community resiliency model as well. So 
your leadership style is driven by, I think, integrity and humility. And um, you really do try. And I love this about you, Townley, that every voice is important. And sometimes there's some voices that have not been um, helped. So first five Mendocino, I, I'm going to ask you a question about that. And I, I'll ask you that first. What is first five Mendocino and why should we all know about it? Oh, well, that's a great question. And thanks for the great introduction, Elaine. Um, it's always a privilege to be able to get to, to speak with you. Um, so first five Mendocino is one first one of many first fives throughout the state. Every county has a first five. It was um, a legislation that was passed in 1998. And um, it's basically it's from Prop 10 tobacco dollars. So it's it works to build children and family up so they can um, have all that they need to thrive and survive and be the best selves in the world. And you're so in the each, state of Cal and you're in the state of California. And yeah, do so, other states besides California have these kinds of programs? Nope, that's strictly a, a California initiative. Um, like I said, from the late 90s. So it is unique in the union to just being in California. I know in a lot of other states have um, similar programs, but they're usually related to um, intellectual and developmental delays that comes from the federal government. So the, yeah, so that's a different program, but we do support and embrace um, that as well. In California, again, we call that initiative from the, um, the IDEA, the Individualized Department of Developmental Education Act. Um, it is from part C, so in California, we call that program Early Start, and it's to serve children zero to three with intellectual and de developmental delays. And First Five Mendocino has a family resource center, which you'll see on the screen called Raise and Shine. And that's our family resource center that um, specializes in providing early start support and services to families with zero to three as well. I, lo so I love that. Really Rise and shine, right? Very right? positive. Exactly. Yes. Well, yeah, so, so you know, family you know, having known you for a number of years, um, and you're very passionate about the work that you do. And again, I mean, I do really, I, I respect you so much in the, in how you also conduct your life as a human being. So could you share a little bit about how your lived experience has brought you to have this passion in the world? If you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about yourself. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was raised, um, in between a couple of different coasts. So I was originally born in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, through my parents, uh, my, both, both my parents were single parents. So um, they were they were basically, you know, teenage parents. And so my mom moved to Southern California. And so I spent most of my upbringing between the Southern California um, region and then Charleston, South Carolina, which are quite different culturally. Um, so, I was, <laughs> so I got the best of both worlds, I like to say it. Um, and then tragically, my, my mom had remarried, but then um, tragically, when I was 23, there was a lot of mental illness struggles with my, with my stepfather, um, my bonus dad, I like to call him. And um, sadly, he, they both passed in a homicide suicide. So oh. it's very tragic. Yes, and then I became the ward of my brother, my 17 year old brother. It's a story I'm not I'm not shy in, in sharing now. I've done a lot of therapy and done a lot, a lot of talking about it. Um, it's really helped me, I think, collect the community that's helped me raise my children and to become such a staunch advocate for mental health initiatives, as well as, um, as you said, like that early intervention prevention can really change the trajectory of a child's life. And so 
having my, my bonus dad struggle with the mental health issues that he did. Um, I could see very, there were key points that could have changed um, a lot of directions for our family. Um, and I see that happen with the, the children that we serve in, in Mendocino County as well. So that really, you know, going through that trauma was, um, was a lot obviously, but there was a lot of areas that I couldn't grow. So my education was one thing that took the back burner. So I just, I had to go and work. I had to metabolize that trauma as we call it. Right. So I had to like burn it through. And the only way I knew how to do that was through physical, physical exertion. So I worked as a forest ranger for almost eight years, 10 years. Am I surprised that you did that? Of course, that adrenaline seeking kind of behavior that can be some ways that people deal with their trauma, but you can also, I mean, I, I don't mean this as a, you know, saying the word burned out, but it also can be very taxing on someone when you're in that high intensity kind of field. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I did that until I couldn't do it. Right. And then I was like, okay, also, you know, um, I wish I had known about the neuroscience of, of that's been developed around CRM at that time, because I think it would have allowed me to return to the school, to the classroom earlier, because being in a classroom, I was on my college campus when I learned about my, ch- my parents' death. And so being in that location was very traumatizing to me. I couldn't, I just couldn't sit down into, couldn't even step foot on a college campus again. Right. So had I had some CRM skills, I think to kind of like feel that and sense all of the areas that I needed to kind of push through um, and to focus on when I was safe, right. To focus on when I had survived, which is that key question that we always like to ask. Well, I'm just going to say um, when Townley talks about CRM, she's talking about the community resiliency model that is um, been developed by myself and is also um, really the teach wonderful teacher training programs that are offered through the Trauma Resource Institute. So I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to make no. sure people knew what CRM was. Okay, go Thank ahead. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it took me a long time to kind of circle back to my education. Um, and when I finally did, it was like, I, I believe I've heard you you speak of this. It's, it was more of a calling, right? It was something I had to do. It wasn't something that I really necessarily wanted to do. I didn't really even know what a social worker was or what they did. Um, and then when I first started at First Five, I was really just kind of in the, in the thralls of the beginning of a divorce. And so um, just kind of picking up extra jobs. And then it just really spoke to me. And I really felt like through the vein of the triple P, the positive parenting program, it allowed me to do that self-regulatory piece that now I know is, is kind of really harnessed through the community resiliency model. Um, and so I, I found that embracing that part of me and being the best parent was the best way that I could actually help my, my, my children not absorb the trauma of our divorce. Um, and well, and- they Tell me if I could say this about you too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important for our audience. You know, you, we may have people that are listening that are suffering themselves, and you certainly mm-hmm. the tragedy of the death of your mom and and your bonus dad, and then you being um, a mom raising three kids, and you didn't that calling came to you, and there was a way that you were balancing all those things. But I think it's important to pay attention to callings. Um, I feel this way about, you know, the trauma resource Institute, that it's something that I didn't necessarily choose, but it showed me and that I knew that I had to do it. And it was, there was a purpose that was bigger than myself. And I think we've had enough conversations to know that the work that you're doing, I think is embedded in some of that. If you want to comment on that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Everything that we touch and, that 
first five Mendocino engages with from, you know, helping families directly or um, working with agencies who help families directly. But also I think it starts with us, right? So like the community resiliency model starts with the individual, like it starts with us. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to be the executive director who can create the space for all of our, my staff. And so we collectively use the skills. We collectively, you know, take a, a grounding moment before we start meetings, right? So we're all like, we've arrived to be in the space where we can best collaborate. So it's really an embodiment and a, and a lifestyle. And so we do that with our partners, uh, our agency partners. Um, we've helped and shared the skills with um a lot of our partners who work with really high risk um, populations. So we're adoptive, adopt, adoptive foster parents, right? And then those agencies who are matching those families and children. Um, we've worked with uh, a local organization called Building Bridges who does temporary housing for homelessness, homeless individuals who are struggling with homelessness. And some of those are families. Some of those are, you know, um, there's babies and there's children involved in that population. And so how do we help them, right? Not only help the staff that they're serving, but how do we help them understand that these skills you can use on yourself to reduce your own burnout, to help yourself kind of be um, the best provider for this community? Because I really feel like broken systems break people. And if we can align the system to work synergistically in a healthier way, as we're all serving this very small community, then that community over time is going to be improving over time, right? Well, and I think what you said is so important. This broken systems actually can break people. And so we have to look at not only working with individuals, but with systems and changing the systems so that they become not only trauma-informed, but resiliency-informed and focused. And so I know if you're starting your, your staff meetings with grounding, then you are paying attention to your very important assets, which are your staff that you're, you know, and reminding them to care for themselves. Um, and actually starting that way is being a role model to that, which I, of course, you know, I can do a happy dance when I hear these kinds of things, <laughs> knowing that's your kind of trajectory. Um, but the other thing I, I want to talk to you about, because I think it's also when systems decide, let's say, to take a model like the community resiliency model in and see, well, maybe this will work for us or not. And I think that's kind of an interesting how we became acquainted with one another, because first five Mendocino many years ago brought the community resiliency model in. And it seemed like some people really embraced it and thought it was really great. But it wasn't until something tragic happened in the community where I think it really kind of took hold. And can you just share a little bit about that, what happened? Sure. Yeah. So um, in 2016, we brought the community resiliency model to Mendocino County. We did a huge training at one of our um, local um, consolidated health clinics. And I think there was like over 200 people at that training. It was like a kind of a teaser training, you know, um, you and your team came in and, and just kind of assessed engagement of, of the model. And there were quite a few people that were really excited about it. And um, we did some, you know, train the trainer kind of things in, in the county. And then, like you said, it just kind of, you know, sat down on its laurels a little bit. Um, and then in 2017, we had our Mendo Complex fire and it was um, really a call to action. So these trainers who had just been kind of like sitting on these skills or maybe just embodying them slowly 
um, we're really called to action to go to the FEMA tents that were set up at the college and go to these um, disaster relief areas that had been kind of popped up all over the all over our county to support survivors. Um, and they just sat there, they just sat and they just listened and they provided some, you know, help now skills, which is, you know, the six wellness skills of the model and um, help them complete simple things like paperwork which was something that you couldn't do when you're in your high zone, right? Um, and so it was really imperative and it was really instrumental of how useful the model was during that disaster. And, um, I, and I think the other thing I just want to point out and you know, kind of integrate into your answer is that Mendocino County, for those of you that aren't familiar with California, is a really rural county. It takes a long time to get there from where I live and it's not easy to get to. Like I would have to fly in from where I live um, it's Ontario's the, is the, in California, I have to fly from there to Sacramento. Then I get a car Then I fly, then I, I drive for hours and hours to get to Mendocino. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. it is one of the most beautiful places, honestly, on earth. Um, but I think that this is true about many places within the United States and abroad that we live in rural areas. And when we live in a rural area, it is harder sometimes to access mental health resources when there is a very large scale crisis that that happened. And, you know, we in California, and I know many places around the world and country, you know, we've had mass scale disasters like hurricanes and the fires when they happen, so many people are taken away from their houses. And not only is they're taken away from their houses, the environment, even the breathing environment is impacted, that you may not be able to, to even breathe in the air and have to get to safer spots. So it's so impactful. And you don't know if you have a house to go back to. And then even if your house stands, which I've seen this up in other, like in paradise, and when we were up there, mm -hmm. there'd be one house standing where every other house is gone. And how on earth did one house survive, but your community is gone. And so the impact and the layers of it is, is many fold. And then when you add in the impact on children, you know, where are they going to go to school? Where are they sleeping? Did they get to take their blankie? You know, all those kinds of things that impact children, that when we think about the kind of response that all of you amazing people were doing up there, sitting in those tents and providing what you could at a time when so much was lost. I mean, I'm always so touched when I hear about the work that you did. So I have to add that. So continue. No, thank continue you for that clarification. Yeah. I think it's a really good point and a key point to note that, um, you know, Mendocino County is very rural. It's like literally 25 people per square mile. Like that, if you if you take our geographical land print uh, to, to the population. Um, and so it's an even more richer reason to lean into the community that is around and that's why I love this model because your auntie, your neighborhood, your pastor, like your the grandma down the street, they can learn the wellness skills and just share them and, and help. Um, and I feel like when you have a certain saturation point in a, in a county like Mendocino County, then it just becomes another universal language, right? Like, so we all kind of are speaking the same tongue, if you will. Um, and, and do you believe that's happening in Mendocino County among the social service agencies that you're speaking kind of the same crim language or, or not? I'm just curiosity not question. Yet. Not yet. I think it's coming back. I think there, there was, you know, COVID put a big pause on a lot of things, right? So a lot of um, programs just shut down. Like our family resource center actually had to move from offsite to being a, where, in a localized area to being back in the office because um 
people couldn't go out of their house to meet and get services, right? Okay. And then we weren't set up because we're rural. We don't have the tele the, we don't have the electronics and the and the technology to reach the more rural mountainous areas. Um, so I think COVID stopped a lot of areas or stopped a lot of movement from a lot of um, different program growth. Um, CRM was was a part of that. But I, I believe that now that things are opening up and now that we have such the severe workforce shortages that we do have as well in Mendocino County, because we are rural, um, keeping workforce, staving off from burnout, all of these are issues that we currently struggle with in our rural community. Um, but as things are opening up again, we are finding that a lot of agencies are reaching out to us because we were the ones to bring the model to the county. Hey, you know, can you come back and do a, a, an introduction to the model again? We have new staff. We have right. new um, we have new priorities that we want to address with our programs. Um, and they all these priorities are around this community sense. And they're around these wellness skills that we can inhabit ourselves and kind of have these toolboxes that are really accessible. Um, and so that has been really impactful. So again, like, you know, the Office of Education has asked us to present to their teachers. Building Bridges has asked us to, you know, talk to their, um, their staff who are, you know, interfacing with homeless individuals. Um, the our mental health staff is reaching out to us saying, hey, can you come help our community health workers? You know, um, just... Italy, you almost sound like a hub of the community resiliency model in Mendocino. I don't know if that was your plan, but it sounds like it's happening. So, it is. so can I ask you another question about the children of Mendocino? Um, I imagine you know a lot about them and the, and the, the ones that you are charged to look after those first five years. Is there something that has happened as a result of, of COVID that you think might be important for us to illuminate right now? Because I know, you know, I've talked to other um, individuals and organizations to say, well, you know, yeah, we're opening up again, but they're all, you know, there isn't kind of a bridge to where we were and where we are now. And a lot of families are suffering with the opening up, even though they're embracing the opening up. So I don't know if you could comment on that and say a little bit about that. Well, I just, you know, we're gregarious. I mean, humans are just gregarious by nature, right? And so that community is something that the children, you know, a lot of children who were born and, and, and raised the first year, year and a half in COVID, um, they just, the socialization skills aren't there, right? The socialization drivers aren't there. Um, noticing the cues, the social cues of like their, their, their childhood neighbor at preschool or in school or what have you. Um, so developing that is, is difficult for the children, but then you have educators and you have care providers who are also ill-equipped in understanding how to socialize because, the, again, we're coming back with, you know, with our old hat of understanding on, but the children are behaving differently. So then how do we help providers make that leap to caring for our children in a much more holistic, patient um kind of on a hands-on, more on a hands-on level, because we're not just taking care of them, we're actually teaching them skills so they can get along better, because that was not something that ever happened at that earlier, earlier age. Well, that whole process of how do you learn how to socially engage in your relationships with others come from having relationships with others. And if you're only exactly. seeing a very small and not being with um, other children, that that can certainly make a difference. But I would imagine, I know that a lot of your focus is on the parents. And can you say a little bit about, you know, what you are doing for parents to help them with this transition because it's been very difficult for them as we know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we all, 
we've, the one thing about Mendocino County is it's a, it's a great kind of champion for new things, right? So not only did we bring the, the community resiliency model, but we also brought in the positive parenting triple P model, right? Mendocino County was the first county to introduce the positive parenting program to California. Um, and so we've been kind of the, the lead charge on that as well. So it's been a really great tool. And finally, that is completely saturated within programs and within a lot of different areas. Every parent almost knows what triple P is. And in, in, in can you tell County. us a little bit about what that program mm -hmm. is? And if we, you know, we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but I'd love to hear a little bit about it now. We might have to continue talking about it after the break. So what, what exactly is the triple P program? So the positive parenting program was uh, born out of uh, New Zealand and Australia. And um, Matt Sanders was the main lead on it. And it really carries about five principles, five principles that, you know, that are internationally and culturally re responsive. So um, making, you know, having realistic expectation of your child, right? Like what's typical of the child's development? What can you easily ask for them? Um, how do you build a, a, a positive learning environment for your child? How do you set logical consequences so they can actually, you know, there's, you follow through? Um, how do you take care of yourself as a parent? Um, and how do you set re re reasonable expectations? Sorry, I said that one. I can't remember. Reasonable they, expectations. The, the, foundations, yeah. the foundations of the program are just basic good relationship tools, right? So it's co-parent, it's good partnership rules, it's good parent-to-child rules, it's good, you know, siblings, long siblings, um, boss to, co to, co to colleague or what have you. So they're just really good relationship guidelines, and they're 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 we teach them in English and in Spanish throughout the whole county. Um, and so we train facilitators in the model, and you can do it in an acute fashion, like if a parent's struggling with like one issue, like they can't get their kids to sleep or the potty training, or they have a whole suite of tools that you can use for like an eight-week parenting series. It depends; it's very malleable and adjustable to what the parent needs, so it's very parent-driven. Um, so that's one reason why it's been so well embraced in, in Mendocino County, because we're very unique and we um, really value the uniqueness of our county. So, well, you know, I guess the other thing too, there's, well, there's an advantage of being a rural county and being one with smaller numbers is that you can impact a lot of people and a lot of parents that really are impacting their children in a really positive way. So I'm wondering if when we come back from our break, if you could say a little bit more about how, how you may have altered it or adjusted the program um, because we've lived through COVID. And also I know that you've shared with me that the integration of the community resiliency model along with Triple P has been a nice marriage. <laughs> and so, really yes. And really so great. there are ways that both of them work together, which of course, you know, I have always seen that when we have good ideas and if we can integrate them together, that makes a huge difference for our, for our population of not only children and parents and caregivers of kids. And, you know, I often get saddened by sometimes the lack of information about how important those first, those first few years are for our children. And if we can help their parents know how to manage themselves so they can manage their, not just manage their children, I don't want to say that word, love their children and support them in these ways that really are about their, um, their health and their well-being, that again, how might everybody's life be different if we can create communities like that? So we are going to be back in just, in just a couple minutes, and we're going to continue this lively discussion with um, Town Lee Say and, and really the wonderful work that she and her colleagues do in um, 
up there in Mendocino and first five Mendocino and with Rise and Shine. And I think that maybe when we come back to, she might do a shout out to some of the people that she's known that's listening up there in her wonderful rural part of California. So in a few moments, we will be back with Townley Say and we will continue our dialogue. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The Trauma Resource Institute is a nonprofit organization cultivating trauma-informed and resiliency-focused individuals and communities worldwide. Our mission is to take people from despair to hope. We believe in a world where every child and adult has the capacity to recover from highly stressful and traumatic experiences. Check out iChill, our free app that helps you learn the wellness skills of the community and trauma resiliency models. Go to TraumaResourceInstitute.com for more information. Elaine miller Karras' book, Building Resiliency to Trauma, The Trauma and Community Resiliency Models is available on Amazon.com. The book is about how to cultivate resiliency during and in the aftermath of traumatic experiences. The book also addresses body-based trauma interventions combined with psychoeducation about the biology of trauma and resiliency. Elaine also offers personal consultations. For more information, you can contact her at Elaine at ResiliencyWithin.com. Elaine Miller Karras co-founded the Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. The Institute provides trainings on the models Elaine developed, the Community Resiliency Model, or CRM, and the Trauma Resiliency Model, or TRM. If you would like more information about the Trauma Resource Institute or how to participate in trainings, visit the Institute's website at traumaresourceinstitute.com. That's traumaresourceinstitute.com. Trauma Resource Institute. Build resilience. Awaken hope. Your life. Your health. Your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Resiliency Within with Elaine miller Karras. To reach the show during our live broadcast, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to elaine at resiliencywithin.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. I'm here with Townley Say, MSW, I'm going to say, um, from First Five Mendocino. And we've been talking about the programs they have for parents and children um, that is very innovative up in um, Mendocino County, a really beautiful part of California. And we were talking about the Triple P program right before the break. And I'm wondering if you could tell us, you know, you told us the, the five principles, but are there specific techniques that you think might be valuable to share with us shortly that some of our visitors are going, I'm going to go and try that with my child. Is there something in particular? Yeah, there's, you know, there's, it's how we give instructions, right? So um, we've all heard, like, I've told my kid a thousand times, I've told my kid, you know, 500 times to do this. Um, with triple P, there's a technique, you just give them instructions twice, and then you have a logical consequence. So, you know, if it's something like they're watching television, and it's time to come to dinner, you say, okay, you know, 
Danny, it's time to come to dinner. Or you, or usually we, you would give them a warning, right? Like Danny, in two minutes, it's going to be time for dinner. Okay. And then you have a response and then you say, okay, now you have to come for dinner and either they come for dinner or they don't or what have you. And so in that wait time, when we give instructions, like Danny, it's time to come for dinner. Interval P, you're wait, you're, you, we give parents the, the kind of the instructions of like, wait five seconds. It takes about five seconds for like information to kind of come into a child's brain, metabolize the words that have been spoken and then put them into action, right? Um, five to 10, but also it keeps the parent calm, right? So that's a time to like, if you're, if you're, if you're feeling agitated or if you're stressed about work or you're, you know, do multiple tasking, like we all are doing with parents, it's also your time to have that reset. Like five seconds doesn't sound like a lot, but if we could take five seconds and just, you can get at least two to three breaths in, right? So do an abdominal breath, look for, you know, a couple five colors in the room or what have you. So you could do a wellness skill during that time too. And that's kind of how we interlace it. And then you give the child the second, you know, if they don't come, you give them a second instructions to like come to dinner. And if they come, then you give them praise because we always want to recognize what's working well with a child. Right. Um, and then if they don't, then you just give a logical consequence. Like, okay, so now you don't get, you don't, you can't return to your show after dinner. Now like, there's a logical consequence consequences tied to the action. Um, so those are just a, like a simple kind of tool set that we give parents in triple P, but it's a way that we can also inter, interlace those CRM skills, like either the help now skills or what have you. Um, so then if the, the child maybe get, might get escalated because maybe they just don't, they really don't now they have a tantrum that you might have to deal with. So then you can use a, a CRM skill or a help now skill to help that child kind of recenter and get back down to their okay zone or what have you. So there's a couple of different areas. Like once the parents know the skills, then we can talk about how to inter- interlace them with the triple P skills. So it really gives a very comprehensive tool set for, for parents. Well, and I can, I can hear from what you're talking about too, is that oftentimes as a parent, right, that it can escalate where you're saying, mm-hmm. Danny, I told you to come to the dinner table and Danny, you're not coming. You're not coming. And then, so then it's lost. You've got a child out of their zone. You've got a parent out of their zone. Exactly. Child starts to cry. Parents are yelling. Not a good situation. Not so a good situation. what you're saying is doing that pause. We call those resiliency pauses in the community right. resiliency model, right? Where even if it's taking a breath or, or doing a help now strategy, it gives a little bit of space for the parents to stay in their zone of well-being so that their prefrontal cortex is still online so they can be there and be present for their child. And what happens because of co-regulation, right? Getting along with someone else, if our nervous system is more balanced, our child's nervous system has a greater chance of being more balanced. Not to say that it's perfect, it always happens that way, but at least helps us stay within a solution-focused frame of mind. Because we know that there are certain ages where children have tantrums, no matter how calm we are, you know, they wanted to go across the street at the busy rush hour and go, no, you can't do that because you'll be hit by the car. But I want to go across the busy. No, we can't do that because you get hit by the car. That's what parents do. But that doesn't mean that their reaction. And I have noticed that sometimes in the teen years, that sometimes similar thought processes can go on. I don't know, maybe, you know, this may, you've been working with a lot of teen children, Elaine. I know. Nine children, you think I'm about teenagers? <laughs> yes. Well, so just so that you know that Townley does know what she's talking about personally and professionally, she is in a parenting role with nine children. So I love that. Youngest is seven, oldest is 20, I understand. So you got a little exactly. range there. Yes. Yeah, so we have a wide, wide <laughs> so, gap of so, uh, 
lots of options to come offline if we if we choose to. So we we integrate a lot of the CRM skills in our household, absolutely. Um, and it, and to the to your point, um, you know, as we we become responsive, right, it becomes this like automatic response in our nervous systems. And so when we can make those new neurological pathways of like how to respond in a different way, that becomes our new normal, right? So there are a lot of times where uh, I'll be doing a CRM skill and I'm not even realizing it. Sometimes my children will, will point it out to me or my partner will point it out to me. Um, and so, or even a colleague, you know, right? Because we, we, we integrated it at work, we integrated it in our home. Um, and so I think that that is the one message that I think is really important for like parents and even partners of ours, agency partners to understand, like we can come in and we can talk about CRM and we can do a one, one workshop or what have you, but it's that practice. It's that use or lose it kind of use dependent process of, of, of integrating new habits um, and really creating those neural pathways that really strengthen and build our, our, our resilience over time. Um, well, and, and that's really that my even, hope for this community. Yeah, because we even know there's a term called tuning, tuning your nervous system. And that and what and neuroscientists have found that when you do that, you actually are creating those new pathways. What you pay attention to grows. And you can not only do that for your family, but you were just gonna say for your community. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, along with the true P, like when we notice um a child's behavior and it's it's actually good and we praise it praise that specific behavior. It's different than just giving general praise of like, good job. It's like, thank you for coming the first time I asked, right? Like that, noticing that specific behavior and praising that specific behavior, that behavior will grow because what we're paying attention to will grow. So again, it leads into that CRM, you know, concept of, of those neuropathways and pathways of, of habits. Um, so yeah, so I feel like, just like you said, the system, right? When the first five system is well well oiled and running smoothly and it has our you know our, our best intentions we are we are at more of a of a service to the community at large like the partnerships of the age partnering agencies that we provide help for and support to um, the advocacy work that we do for families and children all of those systems tend to be start to improve over time and since the implementation of triple p in mendocino county our child and abuse and neglect rates have dropped like almost like by 13%. And so that's huge when you start looking at those kind of statistics. And so when we are the, the leaders in the charge of these very, um, I don't even know how to say it, but they're, the, the program of CRM is a life-changing program. Like it's it, not even a program, it's like a model of being, right? And what I love about the model is because it's always contemporary. It's always updating based on the no, newest neuroscience that's available, um, how we interact. And I love just since my own facilitation training back in 2018, 2017, 2018, um, I just got recertified. And so it was just like the, the, the concepts have upgraded and updated to what's now available. And that's what we need. That's what we need to stay contemporary and current to the changing times. And what we Mendocino County had to do is we had to go online. We had to get families in front of their computer and do Zoom and do parenting classes online. And we've done CRM classes online, our CRM presentations. And, are you still doing, and you're still doing this, even though the, the, the worst part of the pandemic is over, because when you have a rural county, if they have access 
to a to the internet, then they have access to the world. Yeah. And so yeah. then and you can really actually provide services. It's been transformative. Yes. I really want to I want to stress that because I know a lot of people go, oh, I can't stand another Zoom meeting. But I, we have seen within the Trauma Resource Institute, which, oh, by the way, is a sponsor of this program, I always want to do a shout out. Thank you, Trauma Resource Institute, um, is that we have been able to do trainings that we would not have been able to do before. And people have come to us who said, I've always wanted to take your training, but I didn't have the transportation. I didn't have the money. And mm -hmm. now I live in France and they're coming to a training that we're doing online. But also we have responded, as you know, to the war in Ukraine and we have done workshops there. I would never have been able to go to war, but I could go on Zoom. And we have had quite a really a lot of a great number of people who have come to us. But I, I'm saying that thinking about rural America, that now that is an opportunity. And we know, right, that oftentimes rural America gets left out of the equation um, because of the smaller population size. And so that now you can bring Triple P and the Community Resiliency Model, and I imagine other wonderful programs. And yeah. are parents coming to the Zoom meetings? Are they coming? Are they showing up? Mm -hmm. Yep, we have had so many, so much great response to our Zoom meetings. Um, I think all, not. Well, we have on average about eight parents per class, and we do thirty-six classes a year. That's a lot for a small community, and it's reaching like the South Coast, right? which is um, really rural, it borders um, Sonoma County almost. And we're reaching like the Northern areas of the county um, that are really remote that take, you know, an hour to get to sometimes because you can drive an hour in Mendocino County and just not even get to the edges of it. Um, and so it's really wonderful. We still have some technology issues as far as like availability of, of internet, you know, um, and so we've gotten like hotspots where sometimes you get cell service and sometimes you don't. And so um, that's been another way that we've kind of been able to engage families and engage people to um, use their use their phones if they need to. So it's been we've had to think creatively. And <laughs> I really feel, feel like um, not only have the parents been responsive, but you teach differently, as you know, like to make that leap to, to providing those services um, over Zoom, like you're going into parents' homes a lot of times now, right? So you're not just inviting them to your space and then them going home, but you're inviting them, you're being invited into their space, into their home. Um, so that so it's almost more intimate, which is odd. It's, it's something that you I hadn't anticipated, you know? And I think it, it can be also very affirming in that, you know, you know, oftentimes if you have a workshop, right? People aren't gonna bring their dogs and their cats and their hamsters. Um, or their pet snake, but when you when you are when you're on Zoom, all of a sudden go. Do you want to see my pet snake? Well, of course we want to see your pet snake, right? And so there are ways that we get to know people on a more intimate level that I think is really sacred when we can do yeah. that. Yeah, and the kids pop in on Zoom. Yeah, so yeah. The kids pop in. Well, and I I want to say one thing about this too is you know there and I I mentioned this every now and then on the show, but the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute um, came up with this very advanced equation that if 10% of a population believe in something that the 90% will believe it too. So if you have 10% be believing in the, the tenets of triple P and also then get 10% of the people to understand the community resiliency model, then through their very associations, 
and the way that they communicate, the way they share information, that it will start to change the many. It's like putting that pebble in the stream and seeing the concentric exactly. circle go up. And when I, you know, when I even hear you talk about your family, Townley, now how many of your children, of the nine children, know about the skills of the community resiliency model and have benefited from Triple P? I'm just wondering. Um, well, all of them know the tenets of CRM, and my three, my primary three, have been known about Triple P because I've I've lived and breathed, I've taught it. Um, I I became I, I yeah I just started doing it with them, and they've gone to like classes with me and what have you. I think my oldest actually did childcare for one of us, one of our groups, when she was old enough to help the childcare <laughs> providers. Because you know when parents have to go to parent, parenting classes, sometimes the kids have to come along with them. Right. Um, so they all, but all nine of them are familiar with with the CRM. Like I use it with them, you know, periodically whenever the the need arises. Um, and do they use it on you? And do they use it on you too? They do. They remind me, hey, let's do belly breaths, you know, or something. Um, but particularly with one of my with one of my my youngest has um, some, you know, she suffers from having anxiety, and there's no shame around that. And there's, um, you know, she has struggled with it. It's been a personal struggle of hers. So when we moved from Mendocino County, because we currently live in Sacramento County, well, that was a big leap. She was born and raised in Mendocino County. Um, she knew all of her, 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 her classmates. Um, she could walk around her neighborhood. We all knew our neighbors. And then moving to Sacramento, which is much more urban, um, I used the CRM on her every, when I worked for the state. Um, she would walk to school from 8 to 8.30. And so she would call me and we used the Help Now skills through her whole commute to school. And um, one morning, I think it was about nine months. It took a minute, but nine months. She, I, I was like waiting for the phone call and I never called. And I, I called her and I, I said, are you on your way to school? She goes, oh yeah, I'm on my way to school. I said, you didn't call me. She says, I'm noticing all of the colors all by myself and all of the sounds are familiar to me. And I'm, I'm okay, mom. I'm like, okay. okay. That so was just kind of make me cry. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, my little fifth grader, you know, like she, she was just scared of the world. She just came in that wired that way. And she's just, her resilient zone has just grown so much and she's amazing and beautiful and um, still uses the skills to her this day when she gets overwhelmed. And okay. we use them, you know, life is stressful sometimes. And so, you know, you just need that person to help re help you stay regulated. Um, and so they but lean on each other, you know, they'll. I want to highlight about what you said is that you know, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't take, it's not like overnight, but I think that when you have a supportive person in your life, this is okay, get on the phone. We'll walk to school together, even though I'm at my work and you are there. And then to find that time where she transitions over and doesn't need to do that anymore, because then that becomes a life skill that she's always going to have. And I want to say, because of what you shared in terms of the trauma that you experienced yourself as a child and the disruptions is that you have made a very deliberate effort to do things in a way for your children to have a very different experience. Mm -hmm. and, and so for all of you that may have traumas that maybe feel, have I really digested that trauma? To know that you can. And I, I think that really is an important message. And I think you're such a, a wonderful spokesperson of that, Townley because it's been delivered on your part with triple C and then with the community resiliency model to live that yourself. Because I think the other question I want to ask you, knowing that you're now in at, at first five Mendocino, 
I know you love that organization. When I first met you, you were working for it. Then you went to say, well, the state of California has offered me this great position. You know, I get to do it on the state level. And then here you came back. Talk a little bit about why that is, especially for maybe somebody out there going, huh, could we do some of those programs in my community that they're doing up in Mendocino? Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know, like I said earlier, I felt like, and I still feel like broken systems make broken people, right? And so my whole drive to go to the state was to really learn better about how how are the systems kind of developed and and navigated. And there I realized that um, it's the voice of the people. It's the voice of the people who drive policy. It's the stakeholder voice. It's making sure that those voices are at the table. And there wasn't anybody from rural, northern rural California at the state level. There was a lot of southern rural communities. Um, and they taught me a lot about like, oh, this state, this, this parent voice needs to be here at the parent at the at this table. This provider voice needs to be at the table. And so when I got invited to uh, uh, apply for this job, I was like, absolutely, because I want to elevate the voices of those here that need to be heard. Um, because they're very, very valuable and um, policies and systems get put into place that don't serve rural communities like we live in. And they need to, legislators and people who do make those policies need to understand the needs of our, of, of us. And we're the best way to, we're the best people to advocate for ourselves, right? When, when I first became acquainted with First Five Mendocino, one of the things that I felt was a priority was being introduced to the leaders of the indigenous tribes. Of, of your uh, part of California. And could you say a little bit about that? Because I thought that was also giving the voice of all people. And certainly many of our indigenous peoples, their voices had been taken away. But I didn't see that. Maybe there had been that way at one time, but I didn't see that with First Five. No, First Five has a really rich, healthy relationship with our, our indigenous uh, populations here in Mendocino County. And I believe that's just come through consistency, right? We've taken the time to really show up and um, we've learned to really come come to what we're invited to, right? We invite and then we also respond to the invitation and having that reciprocal relationship of of coming and and, and just showing up has really built a a lot of trust. And so um, there has been, I really work to like build programs, but also like I just, convened like a small stakeholder group of indigenous leaders recently because we were going to bring in some funds to to fund a a program that would benefit them and I was like I can write the grant but I want to hear your voices like I can write the grant and just pass the grant funds through you but it needs to come from you what you need and so they all showed up like nine out of ten tribes like that we have here and I was just like that's amazing like you know and it wasn't a huge pull and you know really that that trust has been embedded. And, um, and I feel like, you know, being that voice and speaking, there's not, um, there's not space for a a tribal voice at every meeting. And so it's really important that there's at least one or at least somebody who says, wait, hold on, what about this? And so I try to, I really incorporate that into all the meetings that I go to and I encourage our staff because representation is so important. And, um, and being attuned to what those needs are in our community is is why First Five, I think, is a trusted entity in Mendocino County in particular. But I think at First Five and in a lot of different counties, we act as that, that pathway. And telling, knowing that you're kind of a creator and innovator, I'll even say a social entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> that's a, kind of the highest compliment I can give. 
Um, we only have a few minutes left. Is there something new that you're wanting to bring in to the county? Is there something that you're working on that um, uh, to inspire? So those of uh, people that are listening from, from Mendocino might say, oh, there's coming attractions coming from First Five Mendocino. Thanks for asking. Um, we are actually working with Dr. Sege's group um, about the healthy outcomes for positive experiences and his work around, you know, we all are getting well-versed in ACEs, right? Adverse childhood experiences, um, better understanding how resiliency works and building uh, the, the pathways to wellness is, is really what his work is all about. And so how we approach problems, are we approaching um, an intake with somebody through a deficit mind of our own and a bias? Or are we approaching that with, um, you know, strength-based and, and open-mindedness? And so the HOPE framework really works with um, providers who do intake and what have you to really see whoever shows up in front of them with that strength-based, through that strength-based lens, right? So then they could actually find out what do they need, right? So we have tools, but we have to first listen. And how do we best listen is with, you know, the non-bias and just and asking questions and um, not coming with our own agenda. And so the HOPE framework really brings that. And it's a great, it's just another thread of the resiliency of triple P, CRM and HOPE. And so it's just, it's a wonderful braiding. Well, I just, I just love that HOPE. I just think that's just wonderful. So, so we only have two minutes left and I would love for you to say, if people want to know, can you say for us how to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So please go visit our website at first5mendo.org or mendocino.org. Either one will get you there. You can also find us on Facebook with First Five Mendocino. You can find us on Instagram. You can also find us on LinkedIn, all First Five Mendocino. We also have a uh, family resource center called Raise and Shine. You can reach us through raiseandshine.org and that will loop us and directly direct you to the Raise and Shine website on our First Five website. Well, and I would like to be the first here to um, invite you to come back with your doctor to talk about the positive childhood experiences, because I think we need to elevate that. As um, I'd like to say that came from my dear friend, um, uh, Reggie from North Carolina, we need to talk about at, oppor at opportunity children, yes. not at risk children, because Absolutely. I think Thank there are you. so many opportunities when yes. children have challenges. And what if we looked at the strength-based aspects of that and help them create more strength in their lives? And I want to remind people that it only takes, an, you know, like if there's a non-related adult that believes in a child, oh, that goes a long way. So as you all know, as we end our show, we always say what else is true. I think Townley Say is living proof of what else is true and how she's lived her life, how she survived great tragedy, and how now she has taken what has happened to her and talking about how she's creating new opportunities for health and well-being. Well, you are just one of my heroines, Townley Say. So uh, I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for the opportunity, Elaine. You mutual. Okay. And did you want to say anything to your folks in Mendocino? I would just like to thank my whole staff and colleagues. I have amazing staff and the partnerships that we have with our um, family child welfare and Redwood Community Services and um, my past mentors, Anne Mulgard and Maya Stewart and um, Minica Olson. They all have brought me to where I'm at now. And Elaine, I just, you know, you were the one who inspired me to return to get my MSW and I'm just forever grateful for that inspiration. So thank you. I, I did nudge you just a little. All right. 
Okay. Just a little bit. Thank you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Blessings to all until we meet again. This is Elaine Miller Karras signing off for Resiliency Within. And remember what else is true. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Resiliency Within. Please tune in again next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Elaine miller Karras on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. Resiliency Within with host Elaine miller Karras is brought to you by Trauma Resource Institute Incorporated. Visit TraumaResourceInstitute.com.